Can we talk about that little boy that came in the store the other day? The um, air quotes stuffed animal boy? Yeah, he came to the register. And did he buy a book that day or was it a bouncy ball? What he bought it? like something that did not cost very much. Right. Like $3 maybe. Because he had his own money, which is always mm-hmm. super adorable to right. me. When like children come up to the register ready to make their own personal purchases. And count it out very carefully. Oh yeah, very carefully. And he had what, $20? Something like that, it was right like, around there. It was 20 or $21, and I said, I gave him the total, and he, his eyes lit up because he was going to have extra money. Mm-hmm. And this look of, you know, what am I going to do? And so we asked him, well, what are you going to spend the rest of your money on? And he had this, like, <laughs> he said, well, like, a stuffed animal, but not, not a stuffed animal. And I was thinking, oh, not like a cutesy one. Like, I was thinking, oh, does he want me like, to make sure... he doesn't sure, want a teddy bear. Right. Does he want me to make sure, like, he's a big kid and he doesn't want, you know, a girly stuffed animal. Right. But whatever. And so I kept thinking, what does he mean? And then he said something to his dad. And his dad just burst into laughter. And I think, did we at that point kind of start... Because I feel like both of us reached the conclusion at the same time. Right. That he's not... He's not talking about a stuffed animal. He's talking about a taxidermied animal. (laughs) Welcome to South Georgia. (laughs) Oh, the moment when I realized, oh my gosh, this is... We're in South Georgia, and he wants a dead... He wants a taxidermied, like, deer head for $20. For 20 bucks. And was it you who was like, you might be able to get a beetle? No, it was his dad. His dad was like, oh, you could probably get, like, a beetle. And then I thought about... The taxidermied scorpion that I had as a child in a little glass dome. Oh, I... And I made my preschool teacher sing, my Bonnie lies over the ocean, but my scorpion lies over the ocean. It says so much about you as a Doesn't child. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to episode 112 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I am, like, not jet-lagged, not car-lagged, I was in the same time zone, but tired in a way that I shouldn't be. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about books. Let's talk about books, baby. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right, well, you know, I, mm, I I thought about, like, should I edit that out? Nope. Nope, I'm leaving Staying that. Staying it in. I mean, um, keeping it in. So before we talk about the books that we read for the month, um, we want to talk to you a little bit about Libro FM. Yes, you heard us talk about this a little bit last week, but because I know I have been doing a little bit more audiobook listening, I wanted to kind of remind listeners of a way they could be listening to audiobooks, but also supporting independent bookstores instead of that institution which shall not be named. It shall not be named. So Libro FM is a small family-owned company, but they are partnering with independent bookstores all over the country, including us, and they are selling audiobooks just like you would get on Audible or Audiobooks, um, but they're selling them through Libro FM, and part of the proceeds then go toward our bookstore. And so you can register for a Libro FM account through us, mm-hmm. um, and whenever you make a purchase on that, then we get 
a little bit of that money. Yeah. So it's just a nice way, especially if you're a listener who lives far away and you can't come see the bookshelf. We totally understand that, although we hope you'll make a trip to come see us. Mm -hmm. But until then, you can support us through Libro.fm forward slash bookshelf Thomasville. And you can either buy a membership to Libro FM. It's a small monthly fee and you get an audiobook or two, I think, every month. Or you can buy books individually. So if you're not quite sure you want to fully dive into a membership, I get that. Um, I just buy my books individually right now. So anyway, Libro.fm forward slash bookshelf Thomasville. And I do want to make clear that this is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> okay, so this is a reading recap. It's the end of March, kind of. Kind of. We actually, we're recording this a little bit early because of the way that March is structured as a month on the calendar. So there are still about six days left in March at the time of recording. Um, so we're not done reading for the month yet. No, we I hope not. We'll <laughs> probably get a couple more in. But... <laughs> This is where we are right now. Um, so, Annie, start us off. Okay, so I read at the beginning of this month Shark Club by Ann Kidd Taylor. Mm -hmm. This is one of those I need to preface by saying it, it was an ARC galley copy. So this book will not be out until... I believe May or June. We'll put in the show notes exactly the release date. I'm yeah. sorry I didn't come prepared with that. But um, The Shark Club by Ann Kid Taylor. The reason I picked this book up is, first of all, the cover is really striking. And second of all, I think I was maybe coming off some heavy books. And yeah. speaking of palate cleansers from last week, um, The Shark Club looked like it could fit the gill. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. I don't even think... Do sharks have gills? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They're... Oh, that was so good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love myself. Okay. So, the shark club, <laughs> Ann Kid Taylor, she is the daughter of Sue Monk Kid. Right. So, I have read Sue Monk Kid's books, but actually some of my favorites have been her nonfiction, including a travel memoir she wrote with her daughter right. called Traveling with Pomegranates. I remember that. I really enjoyed that book. It came out several years ago. If you haven't read it and you like travel books, that one's fantastic. Um, but I decided to pick up The Shark Club because of that connection. It is a light, very light, but that makes sense given the time that it's coming out and the time that the publishers have scheduled for it to come out. Book about a young woman who studies sharks for a living. There's got to be, I mean, she's like an oceanographer mm -hmm. kind of thing. And she comes home. The fun, the most fun part kind of about this book is she comes back to South Florida um, after like an expedition and her aunt owns a literary hotel, mm. which... I hope this exists somewhere because it's super cute. Like each room is named for an author and decorated like according to the author. So that was kind of a nice nod yeah. to readers. Um, I feel like readers love things like that, like books that get them thinking about other books. So I liked that little touch, but it's basically kind of a love triangle. She comes home, this guy that she loved as a kid, like her childhood sweetheart kind of broke her heart and she kind of meets back up with him and then um but also the guy she was on expedition with like they kind of have a thing going so it's kind of a love story but it's also about a lot about sharks actually a lot about her expedition and hmm. the work that she does um a big portion of the book is kind of a a mystery because sharks are being defend and so oh. there's an environmental aspect to it which i really appreciated as a yeah. kid growing up in florida i remember writing a letter to President Clinton about manatees. Um, <laughs> so I feel like there's a special place in my heart for ocean life and for, I don't know, nature. And she writes very well, I think, about Florida, too. The book takes place in South Florida. And so um, this wasn't maybe the best, most well-written book I've ever read. Mm -hmm. um, but I enjoyed it. 
And I think probably it'll come out at just the right time and be a really fun beach book. Good summer book. Yeah. yeah. So that book, again, is The Shark Club by Ann Kidd Taylor. Your next one is Do Not Become Alarmed by Miley Malloy. Yes. Okay, so Miley Malloy, I think most readers will recognize her from young adults or middle reader books. Mm -hmm. I think she wrote the Apothecary novels. Um, Anyway, she has her first adult novel coming out again. Oh, I'm so sorry. May or June. Um, (laughs) We'll put, Chris will put these in the show notes. I will have all this info for you. Um, But this is one I really do want you to mark your calendars because this is a book I picked up and I started reading it and my initial thought was, meh, we'll see. Like Mm -hmm. it was a galley copy and I thought, well, I may finish this one. I may not. So like I put it down, but just for a day, I think, I think I was in Orlando this weekend and read the first couple pages, put it down, picked it back up. And it was one of those books truly that I did not want to get up from my seat until like I finished it. (laughs) It just completely had me glued to the, to the pages. So, um, do not become alarmed is about a family vacation on a cruise ship. Two families go together, um, and vacation together. And then the children go missing. And so you think this is going to be like woman in cabin 10 kind of suspense, but it's really not. It's, it's really much more deep than that. I mean, I liked the woman in cabin 10, but this is a lot more family drama mm-hmm. and dysfunctional family oh, issues. It's your favorite thing. Than, yes, than <laughs> it is. But there is, of course, this element of suspense. The children really do go missing and, and what, but it's really about like how these parents who are very close, they're mm-hmm. vacationing together and how they each react to this very tragic thing. And some intense things happen mm-hmm. in this book. It's not like this law and order, like wrap it up with a bow at the end. There's some intense, some consequences. Yes. And there, there's a couple of heavy scenes, um, when these children and these young teens kind of get kidnapped, but, um, it is fantastic. Uh, Ann Patchett did the blurb on Mm -hmm. the front, which is smart, smart, smart publishers. Um, but I think a book club would love this book. I loved this book. The only reason I didn't give it five stars was I was coming off of Lincoln and the Bardo, which we'll talk about right. in, a, in a minute. But I really thought if you are looking for a summertime, can't put it down book, this one's going to be it. Perfect. I'm really excited about this That's one. That's so good. Yeah. Do not become alarmed. What a great title too, right? It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so third, the third one's Lincoln and the Bardo, which I think you started in February yes. and finished in March. We did talk about it last month. Yes, we have um, talked about it We've so also talked about it every episode since then. <laughs> you know how we feel about it. Yeah, if you don't know by now. <laughs> uh, book of the century thus far, maybe. <laughs> yeah, quite um, good. Up there. Um, so buy Lincoln and the Bardo from your local independent bookseller today. Um, after that, you read something that I thought was was kind of fun in concept Mm -hmm. and I want you to tell me about it wedding toast I'll never give wedding toasts I'll never give is written by Ada Calhoun Mm -hmm. this was another ARC galley clearly I had a goal in March to make my way through some of these (laughs) um the reason I picked this up is a you're right the concept is completely interesting yeah um because the title kind of says it um these are wedding toasts she would like to give but can't so I expected like funny sarcastic marital advice Mm -hmm. um which I always am up for. I also really um, love the book Committed by Elizabeth Gilbert, uh-huh. which would now be interesting to read because she has since divorced. Um, mm. But what I liked about that book was it had a lot of historical, like the history of marriage, where the concept comes from, how it's changed through the ages. Okay. So I remember reading that and actually 
really enjoying it for the historical and the research. Elizabeth Gilbert does her oh, research. Oh, yeah, she's Say researcher, what you will sure. about her. But, like, she really researches well, and that book was really well written. So that book is committed, and that's kind of why I picked this one up. It's not as funny as I wanted it to be. Mm. Um, but I think that's just me, like, coming into it with the wrong expectation of sure. this is going to be funny, snarky um, wedding advice. Instead, it's, again, a little bit like Elizabeth Gilbert. There's a lot of history of marriage and kind of where the idea of marriage comes from. But then there is some realistic, and some things did have me laughing, because if you're married or if you live with somebody in a committed relationship, then funny things happen. I mean, you're just around another person all the time. Right, all the time. Funny things happen. Um, And I liked, I know that when I go to weddings, I love, my favorite part of weddings is food. Okay. So... When I go to weddings, I don't always love the toasts or the the sermon or mm. whatever. I like, went to a wedding a few years ago that had six toasts. Oh, see, no, that's too many. Yeah, it was awful. That's awful. Because I didn't know any of those people. Mm. No, there's got to be a limit to mm. two max. Um, save the others for your rehearsal dinner, mm. maybe. Um, so I liked that she she has been in weddings. She has friends who are getting married. And so that was kind of the impetus for this. And yeah. and. They were well done essays, but for whatever reason, I just had a hard time falling in love with the book. I think I really went into it with different expectations. Mm -hmm. That being said, I do think this would be a really fun, quirky wedding gift. Okay. So I know folks come to the bookshelf all the time looking for, what can I get these people? And it'd be fun. Like, I think it'd be cute. I always give people pizza stones. I think it'd be fun. Pizza stones? Yeah, I feel like that's a really practical, fun gift. Super practical. Everybody uses a pizza stone. That Exactly right. And rarely do people put it on their registry. that was sarcastic. Oh, no. I use a pizza stone all the time. I use it for cookies and I use it for pizza. But I have two different ones. A sweet one and a... A sweet and a savory. Yeah. Sweet and savory pizza stones coming to stores 2018. I think that this is wonderful. Anyway, so you can just put this book on top of a pizza stone (laughs) and give it as a wedding gift. I'm very charmed by this idea. When you get married, Chris, I will give you a pizza stone with this copy of the book wrapped on top. All right. Talk to me in 15 years. We'll see. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the book is called Wedding Toasts I'll Never Give by Ada Calhoun. Okay. (laughs) Uh, The one after that is the one that I'm most excited to read. I'm I'm definitely going to read this next month. Um, Exit West by Mohsin Hamid. Okay. You're going to love this. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one of my favorite books of the year. I'm so excited because I can see as I'm tracking my books on Instagram, it's making me have to star rate my mm-hmm. books. I mean, Instagram's not making me. I'm making myself, but <laughs> but you see. Um, so I'm having to really think through like which books I'm loving the most. Mm-hmm. Exit West is phenomenal. And I cannot... It's tons of buzz. I cannot believe how timely it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, Mohim Hamid... Mohsin, right? Mohsin. I think. Mohsin Hamid has written many um, books and I have not read any of them. I'm sorry to say, cause he always gets really good reviews. Um, but I decided to pick this one up because of the cover alone and the concept was really fascinating to me. So basically two, um, I won't, two friends, lovers are living in an unnamed town in the middle East and it is starting to become ravaged by war and violence and, you feel very much like you are right there with them. How he writes, you just completely feel present and enmeshed. Mm -hmm. And so these two friends or lovers um, are starting to talk about fleeing. And at what point do you flee home? Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? And in the story, the bit of 
I guess you would call it, you would probably know better than I, magical realism or mm. something that he has added, this tool that he has added, is um, these doors that take people from one place to another. So I I wrote in my review that it's almost Narnia-like. You mm -hmm. open the door and you're transported somewhere else. And I heard him interviewed on NPR and they asked him why he did this instead of just writing a straight novel without mm -hmm. kind of this Magical fantastical element. Yeah. And he said it was because he didn't want the story to be about how they got from one place to another. He said that a lot of refugee stories are about right. the journey, which he says is valuable, right. but that's not what he wanted to write about. He wanted to write about this concept of home and what home looks like and what happens when you leave and what happens when you try to plant roots somewhere else. Interesting. Okay. So you take this couple and you he translates transplants them to a couple of different places as they try to find home. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful. I mean, all, God, I just feel like my vocabulary isn't extensive enough because I'm using all the same word, like beautiful, powerful. There's, it's hopeful, but it's also very realistic of what does home look like and, and why is it hard to define and, and why is it so hard to leave places and, and place yourself somewhere new? And there's one quote that really stuck with me. Um, we are all migrants through time. Oh, and yeah. so I really appreciated him trying to put someone like me who I have not moved very much, certainly never had to move in face of tragedy right. or violence or war. I have never had to transplant myself out of force. Mm -hmm. It's always been my choice. And yet... I also can feel a little lost. And even 45 minutes from Tallahassee, I sometimes can feel a little lost. Right. And this idea that we're all migrants as we age, we're all migrants as we move, even if we just move down the street. Um, I, I don't know. I The concept of this book is incredible, but also his execution of it. The writing is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and again, adding that fantastical element I think was so smart and I loved getting to hear this interview if you're listening to this go find an interview with him because he was a really good interview I think it was on NPR um, maybe all things considered um, but anyway exit west you're going to be hearing about it if you haven't already and this came out last week yeah and you're right it's already really getting a lot it's of getting buzz. tons of buzz and it seems but it's deserved really well deserved yeah it's deserved uh, this next one, I know you you just finished a couple days ago. Um, saw it in the shop today. Looks looks really good. Fall of Lisa Bello. Yeah, this is a great YA adult crossover. Mm -hmm. So it's written for adults, like it's a general fiction. But I definitely think it could appeal to YA readers as well, especially since a lot of YA readers are adults now anyway. Um, <laughs> so The Fall of Lisa Bello is about a young teenager. I think she's 14, and she is getting a sandwich at a sub shop and the sub shop gets robbed and it's an armed robbery and she drops to the floor and she happens to be in the sub shop with like the resident mean girl like from her school so like you know the popular kind of the real regina george yes yeah. and so they're on the floor and they're looking at each other and they have this moment that kind of passes between them and they're clearly both a little tearful and scared. And then the armed robber flees, but he takes Lisa Bellows, the popular mean girl, with him. And the rest of the novel is us experiencing the angst Meredith, the left behind teen faces. Interesting. So it's less about the kidnapping and, and Lisa and what she's experiencing. And it's more about Meredith who wonders why wasn't she taken? Um, that little bit, you know, she's 14. And so this little bit of insecurity, like, wait a minute, why wasn't I taken? Um, which I thought was really smart. Yeah. I love that. And then 
also the deep sorrow and grief that she experiences because this is a classmate and a peer and and the book the book leaves some things to your imagination. And so really we get Meredith's side of the story and we also get her mother's side of the story, which I think is interesting too. Um, but to me, Meredith's portions were the most compelling of the book. Um, this again is one of those page turners. It's not quite to me the same level maybe as Do Not Become Alarmed, but I really thoroughly enjoyed this book and I had not heard a lot about it. So I want to kind of, I want to push it on onto people because yeah. because I think it's really well done, especially if you're a YA reader or if you're a suspense reader. Mm-hmm. A lot of the suspense I've been drawn to in the past few weeks has really been more like you like we said earlier, family drama mm-hmm. than it has suspense. So this one is suspense but heavy on the family drama. It the closest comparison I have is Everything I Never Told You by mm-hmm. Celeste Ng and Reconstructing Amelia by Kimberly McRae. Um, those are two comp titles that I think if you liked those books, you would really like The Fall of Lisa Bello. By Susan Parabo. Yes. Right. Um, the next one is one that I just saw on the back of an indie, um, indie bookstore day bookmark. Yep. Um, I'm very curious about it. David Sedaris blurbed it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rules Do Not Apply by Ariel Levy. I have so many thoughts about this book. I just finished this one this week. Um, I picked this up because the back of the galley copy ARC that I received said something like, you know, insert kind of eye roll here, but like women can't have it all. But from the premise of Ariel Levy saying, I had a spouse, I had a child, I had a house and I lost them all within a month. And so speaking of grief literature, Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I really, I love books like this. I would like to read about her experiences. It's a memoir. Um, it, the first half was not at all what I was expecting. Um, her relationships, she writes so honestly, and we have talked before about my prudish tendencies Mm -hmm. and there's a, I mean, she makes no bones about her, her wife is addicted to alcohol and she is addicted to lust. And the first half of the book felt very heavy to me. Um, it felt like oh, I don't know if I want to read this because I appreciate her honesty so much. It was almost like I know she's friends with and I think is doing some book readings with Lena Dunham and it felt kind of like that to me, like, oh, this is a lot for me to handle. Um, Not only because it's subject matter I'm unfamiliar with, but she she has an affair and the toll that that affair takes on her marriage and then on her partner who's already addicted to alcohol. Right. So anyway, the first half of the book is kind of, you can see how her life is about to unravel. The trajectory yes, of it. You can, right. Which I think is the point. And the writing is phenomenal. She's a, um, she's a journalist for the New Yorker and has been with them for a long time. Yeah. So anyway, the writing is fantastic, but the first half was just tough for me personally. I don't know that that will be the case for everyone. The last half is tough for the reason I thought it would be tough, which is so much tragedy and grief and how she copes with that. Um, This would be a hard book to read if you are pregnant or if you are a new mom because she miscarries. Mm. And I have never read such a visceral description Mm. of that. Um, It was very hard for me to read. Yeah. I think it would be very hard for people to read, but I read an interview with her and she said she really felt like feminist literature lacks honesty about the body. Yeah. And I forget how she worded it, but it was basically women have a lot of blood all the time. Like it is gory being a woman. And she felt like that didn't get written about. And so Mm -hmm. she wanted to write about it. So I appreciate why she did it. It made an impact on me. It was 
very tough reading. Um, but the writing is well done. This one isn't like my favorite book I've ever read. Um, but I appreciate what she's trying to do. And I appreciate her honesty mm -hmm. because I think this was some tough stuff to write about. Infidelity, alcoholism, um, sexuality, miscarriage. I mean, That's it's, heavy. it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but, but if you are one of those readers who really... Um, appreciated difficult women or you appreciate Lena Dunham, Roxanne Gay, I feel like Ariel Levy could probably be in that category. Um, I have I have some other thoughts, but I'm hesitant to share them um, because I'm still processing this one. Mm -hmm. um, but the rules do not apply. It also wasn't quite what I was expecting based on the book cover. Yeah, it, it looks <laughs> happy and funny from the cover. Right? Okay, I'm glad. Okay, I thought maybe that's my <laughs> imagination. It's hot pink and orange. Right. Like, I really With thought... like, white typeface. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was going to be some about grief because the back the, blurb, right, the blurb is that she... That. Yeah, is that she loses these things. But I thought it was going to be almost kind of tongue-in-cheek or informative or snarky and there's not a ton of snark in this book it's she is being very vulnerable and that's what makes it heavy to mm -hmm. me is just she is being so forthright with her life so anyway uh the rules do not apply uh finally i think the last one on your list is who thought this was a good idea <laughs> okay the author of this book is um, Alyssa mastromonaco sounds um, good to me so she worked for President Obama, and she started working for him when she was 32, and she was one of his, um, I believe, chiefs of staff oh. um, in charge of scheduling, I think. And so she started working with him when she was 32. She worked for John Kerry before that. She had been in politics a little while. But 32, like, I'm 31. Young, yeah. So I totally picked this up because my mom saw her interviewed on Good Morning America, and, of course, my mom immediately was like, Annie, this woman <laughs> was fantastic. You need to read this book. Um it's a memoir, but it's also supposed to be kind of career advice. So think Lean In meets, oh, I read this really great political um, book a couple years ago. I think Our Town about D.C. So it's like this mesh of you're getting all this insider scoop and look at life in the West Wing. Um, so for somebody like me who loves House of Cards, the West Wing, that kind of culture I'm fascinated by it um it's got that and it's certainly got her behind the scenes but it's also her personal trajectory of like where she started her career and how she wound up here and the title of the book comes from she was responsible she is responsible for um she was responsible for President Obama's events and his campaign and and where he would go next and she says that occasionally she would you know she would get looks of Who's, who said this was a good idea? And it's her having to raise her hand. Well, I did, and here's why. And so, anyway, she's got some really great career advice. If you're listening to this and you are a mom of a graduating senior, I think this would be a really awesome graduation book. Oh, good. Um, so if you're a mom or a grandma or a dad or, you know, if you list, are a listener and you know, like, an 18-year-old in your life or a college graduate in your life, I think this would be a really great book to give to a male or female graduate. She's just got some really great insight into... Um, how to interview and and it will it, be more useful to them than oh the places you'll go which is like not cute anymore and they're probably going to get five copies of that so. yeah and also I don't understand why that's even a thing the only thing that I have seen that I do think is really cute is if a mom I saw I think a mom here in Thomasville does this she gets each teacher to sign it 
for her kid at the end of every year. And that's, so yeah. by the time she's 18, she'll have this whole... That's that pretty cute. Is, that is. Okay. But that's that's more devotion to the idea. <laughs> that, that takes thought and yeah. planning. Yeah. So. so this would be a great graduation gift. I, as a young professional, I guess, am really also enjoying it. And she's funny. And um, it's not the most well-written book I've ever read, but she's her experiences like cover enough territory sure. where it doesn't yeah. really have to be the most well-written book because she's she worked for the president. Right. Like, it's really fascinating. But then she's also deeply personal. Like one of my favorite anecdotes is she has stomach issues and she is searching for a bathroom at the Vatican and she's like, there's no bathrooms <laughs> at the Vatican. <laughs> and so anyway, there's just all kinds of interesting and I feel like I've underlined just a couple of great lines. So it's good career advice, but it's tucked into a memoir. So it doesn't feel like you're being preached to. Yeah. Um, instead, she's just kind of sharing her experiences. So I really I really like this one. I think she's an editor for Marie Claire now. Oh, Isn't okay. Isn't that weird? Um, an interesting yeah. ch- uh, choice. But anyway, so that is the book that I'm finishing up as we record. So. And do you have a plan for what to finish the month with? Yeah, I've got a book club book I have to read by Monday. Oh, okay. This is Saturday. Oh, well, you got a, you got a Sunday. <laughs> right? Right. Um, and I, I forget the name of it. It's a World War II novel. Um, we live here. We all live here. Um, I think might be the name of it. It looks great. It's a debut novel, um, World War II. I just have not. I totally forgot. March, man. I don't know if listeners feel this way, but March what was really fast. <laughs> I looked I at the calendar and I was like, oh. It was my birthday and then suddenly yeah. it was not. It was, <laughs> nope, no, nope. Okay, but what did you read? So the first one I read was The Impossible Fortress by Jason Reculak. Um, I think I'm saying that right. Might not be. Uh, mm, doesn't matter. Um, it's a YA novel. Yay, go Yeah, you. right? I yeah. did it. I did one. Um, it just came out this month, I think, maybe in February. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I read it in a single sitting on a slow Monday mm-hmm. in the store. <laughs> it was great. It was like three hours. And it's like not a tiny book. No. It was it was good. Um, and it's about this kind of, this 14-year-old named Billy and his two friends and how it, it begins with the premise that Vanna White had some photos leaked in Playboy in the 1980s. And this is, this novel all takes place in the 80s. Okay. Um, and it's these three teenage boys who just want to see the photos in this Playboy, but there's one store in town that sells the issue, and the shopkeeper is definitely not going to sell it to them. Okay. And so they're trying to cook up the scheme of how to get it. And that's how the <laughs> that's novel a funny starts. Premise. It's a funny premise, but like, and, I don't know where that came from. And, and that does run through the okay. whole novel, but like, it really just kickstarts a whole other series of events. Okay. Um, because Billy ends up working with the shopkeeper's daughter and what I thought was going to be like a, like a, she's all that kind of, or, um, that's what I'm thinking of. Right. Yeah. Um, like he has to like trick her into thinking that he likes her, but then he's just using her for something, but then he actually falls in love with her. And it's, it's that, but it's a good spin on that. Okay. That was not where I expected it to go. Um, and it, that, that, that's the basic premise from there. And it all happens in a very interesting way with some twists and turns that I did not see coming. I think it's a really well-structured book, really well-written book. I think it deals really honestly with a lot of teen issues, but not in a super dark or angsty way. Okay. Um, there, there are good characters and bad characters and very morally gray characters, um, which I thought was was really good to have in a YA Especially book. Especially in a YA book, right. uh-huh. Um, and it's very... 
realistic. It deals with computer programming in the 80s, and this is all a new thing and how kids are getting into this, and their teachers and their parents don't understand that this might be a lucrative field someday, and they think it's just like you're wasting your time on this hobby and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. And like, well... That's <laughs> <laughs> for 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, so it deals with a lot of these time issues and about kids and their parents and and how kids relate to one another when adults are not around. Okay. Um, I really, really enjoyed this book. It made me, like, maybe want to read YA now and then. Okay. That's Um, great. Yeah. Yeah. If they were all like that, it'd be good. Um, Definitely recommend it for teens. I would say, like, maybe 14 and up. Okay. Um, There's nothing explicit in the book. Um, There is, like, the brief mention of something resembling a sex scene, but it's not explicit even a little bit. Okay. but still, there are some themes in there that I don't think would be exactly suitable for younger middle, middle schoolers. So, like, maybe eighth grade and up, I would say, okay. for this one. I think it's great. Great. Um, and then the last one that I read, only read two, um, was um, Dear E.J. Owele or A Feminist Manifesto of 15 Suggestions by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, which I also read in a single sitting, but it's only 68 pages. Right. Um, very short, but, like, man, a must-read. Good. Absolutely a must-read. I think it could have another subtitle of, like, Feminism for Dummies, also Why Isn't This the Norm? Okay. Um, It's super good, (laughs) super basic, and just makes you question the whole structure of our social lives. Okay. I'm super intrigued by this because I love her. Right. And And all of her books are very short. Yeah. Except for Americana. Except for Americana. But I love these little... Is treatises. I feel like yeah. she just writes these little treatises that I kind of love. And we stocked this one for our Women's History Month um, in cap, and I'm so glad we did. Yeah, we sold, sold quite a few. Yeah, we sold several um, copies. I ordered more this morning. Uh, so we will have this for you, and I, I really recommend it. It seems like like it seems like kind of expensive for what it is because it's $68, and I think it's like a $14 book. $68? 68 oh, pages. Okay. And it's like a $14 book. Okay. Um, so it doesn't seem like that adds up, but like, I think it's a book you'll want to read more than once. Yeah. Um, it's divided into these 15 suggestions. The concept is um, she had a pregnant friend who asked her, how do I raise my daughter as a feminist? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, she did a good interview. I don't remember who she did it with. Um, it was someone from the New York Times, or no, from Time Magazine. And it was, she... The actual question was, how do I raise my daughter so that she doesn't have to deal with all the same stuff that I did? Mm. Um, and it was she actually wrote her a letter with 15 suggestions, and this book is kind of the expanded version oh, of that cool. letter. Yeah. Um, so it's divided into these very nice, short 15 sections, um, each of which I think could be read on its own as kind of like a daily devotional or something <laughs> um, for two weeks. Yeah. I think you could totally do that, and I think you want to return to this. I would definitely recommend this for... Expecting moms. Yeah. Um, if you know you're having a girl, yeah. this might be the perfect book to get. For n- new parents, I think men should read this too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not advice just for how to raise a daughter, but also how to be a good parent mm-hmm. um, to a daughter oh, specifically. Great. But also I think many of these can be applied to raising a son. Yeah. Teaching your son to be a feminist is... That's half the battle. Yes. <laughs> Teaching your son to respect women and himself around women is is the whole thing. Yes. Um, femi- feminism is not about degrading men. It's about equality for everybody, and men need to be educated this way, too. Oh, so that sounds great. It's super good. I really recommend it, and you'll read it super quickly. You read Exit West, and I'll read this. Yeah. 
Perfect. <laughs> we'll do that. Um, and I'm reading a novel right now by Daryl Gregory called Spoonbenders. Oh, that looks good. It does look good. I'm about 50 pages in, and I don't... It's like it's not capturing me yet. Um, and it's a pretty long book. It is thick. It's, like, for what it looks like, I'm surprised. I mean, for yeah. for the genre, I guess, I'm surprised. Because it's like a family novel. I thought some YA crossover, but it's like... It's pretty pretty rough so far okay. in terms of content, so like maybe not. But it's about this like guy, Teddy Telemachus, who is... He's a con man, like a scam artist. He pretends to be a psychic and like cons people out of money, but then he like falls in love with a woman who actually has psychic powers and they they have an act. Okay. Like a stage act and their whole family have psychic powers or do they? Oh. Question mark. Um Sounds interesting. It does not sound for me. That's right. Like, well yeah. I'm not sure yet. Okay. Because it's it's more about the dysfunctional family that just again like Exit West has this one kind of fantastical element yeah. to it. Like, no, no, she's actually clairvoyant. Yeah. Um, but she's dead when the novel starts. <laughs> oh, um, there's just a lot happening. Yeah, and there's like, there's a some kind of like Mormon government agent and there's like some kind of Cold War context. And like, again, I'm only 50 pages in, so I could be entirely misrepresenting this novel, but that's what I have from it so far. Okay, well, you'll have um, to report back. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued enough to keep going. I don't know if it's going to be like what I wanted it to be, but... Okay. Managing expectations is everything. Key to happiness, expectations really. build your reality. <laughs> they do, for better um, or worse. So that's it. I think that's March for us. That's March. Anything else? I think that's it. We read a lot, and we would love to know what you guys read. And if you have read any of these, we'd love your thoughts on them. Um, you can follow us on um, Instagram and Twitter at BookshelfTville, and that's where you can you know comment, let us know kind of what you're thinking about some of these books. And I want to thank all of you again for all of the lovely reviews that we've been getting over the past few weeks since we've asked for them. We were up to 93 this morning. Yay! Uh, no prize for 100, I don't think, but uh, please keep them coming. Yes, stay tuned. We might change our minds about that. We might, um, <laughs> because it's it's very easy to count back. So, like, you never know. Yeah, it's just been really nice to read the feedback and to know that there are people out there listening, because we are in Thomasville, Georgia, <laughs> and we never know who's listening, but now we kind of do, and it's been really fun to get to know you guys better. It's super great. So if you have any questions or comments you want to talk to us more about stuff, please email me at inventory at bookshelfthomasville.com. Several of you emailed me either Thursday or Friday, and I was out of town. So I got back to you this morning, <laughs> Saturday. Um, but uh, usually I'm very prompt, just did not have my computer with me. Um, you can find full episodes of From the Front Porch on iTunes or on our store website. That's www.bookshelfthomasville.com. And if you click the shop tab on the website, you can also find all of the books that we mentioned if they are out. Awesome. Um, I will have that updated for you by the time this airs. Great. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week.